Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen, joined again today by new friend of the program, Bradford Sonnenberg. How you doing, Bradford? I mm, let me tell you this, okay? Not not to not to not to use too much flowery language, but I believe that today of the past few days I'm I'm approaching today as a gift. And as part of this gift, I get to revel in the company of great fellows such as yourselves to discuss the sport that we love so much. Wow, that was quite a flowery open. I really just wanted like a, yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, but, but a great answer in either way, Bradford. You, you, your genesequa is something that... I just I have to get used to it at this point. And and you you know, you bring a certain level of just wonderful energy to the table. So I appreciate you for that. Joining us all the way from South Korea. Um I now I said South Korea. Of course you have only <laughs> ever said I live in Korea. Now I really hope I'm not now if you're doing this from North Korea, <laughs> that would be a real feat and something we would truly have to celebrate. But I suppose our next guest is probably not in North Korea, probably in a more freedom-loving country of South Korea. How are things going, Mr. YB? Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me on. And I am kind of sorry to disappoint you that this isn't the Titanic feat that you might have wanted it to be, but still, it is from <laughs> South Korea. I will have to add a disclaimer that right now, due to time zone differences, we are in local time. It's 1.30 a.m., so I might be a little bit incoherent and disheveled, but I've heard that this brings ratings to the podcast, so we make do with what we have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I, it certainly could be an interesting podcast, and you know, I just woke up uh, after a long night out with some <laughs> friends on... We have... Uh, a very weird, quirky, unique Utah holiday here called Pioneer Day, where everybody gets the day off on the 24th or 25th if it falls on a weekend like like it did this year. So day off, uh, went out last night, had a good time, but, you know, it's it's early in the morning now, 1041 here, and, you know, we, we'll get this underway but the two of you have had uh, an exchange of of uh, dms in in our little group chat as uh, i slept soundly this past uh, this past evening if you wanted to bring that to the table yb you are of course a Bengals fan so one welcome to the program and congrats Thank you. on having joe burrow I'll, I'll let you just open here by saying you, you have a grievance to bring to the table. So why, why don't you, why don't we, we get everything out in the open here? Well, after uh, discussing with, discussing with Brad via DMs, I think grievance might be a bit of a strong phrase to use. I think it was a bit of a, something we had to kind of feel out because I listened to the previous episode where Brad gave his uh, opinion on several things, including, and I, and he was very salty about the Bengals game, the regular season Bengals game, the <laughs> AFC conference game, not so much because he, he knew that basically the Chiefs imploded and that one, Absolutely. He, can't, he can't blame too much on any other external forces, but, uh, but the games aside, what I did, ha what I was kind of curious about as to why Brad said something was that 
last episode he mentioned when they were when we were, when you guys did your AFC West preview and about when you began talking about the Chiefs and about the status the status that Mahomes has in the league and he mentioned that there are people that rate Burrow Joe Burrow above Mahomes and he felt that this was very disrespectful to what Mahomes had done over the course of his career which I do agree with to like I don't I love Joe Burrow I and mean, Joe Burrow is one of the is basically the shining light that's come onto the onto the Bengals and He's shown that he can do what he can be a franchise quarterback, but I do have I do place a heavy premium on what they've done, what people have done over the course of their careers. And Burrow currently has basically one and a half seasons, one of which was one and a, two seasons, one of which was truncated by a very severe injury. And this and this previous season, and I'm speaking as a Bengals fan, so I'm speaking as from a position of love that there are games, especially even after, in the later parts of the season, when Burrow was more or less shaking off his knee injury, that he was not very impressive in. Say, for example, the Denver game when he was under 200 yards, the Raiders game where he was also under 200 yards. He obviously had his big performances against the Ravens, the Chiefs and whatnot. So he proved that he could make, win the games when it counts. But there were you can take flaws in the season and. Because Patrick Mahomes, ever since he's come into the league, has made it at least to the AFC conference title game. His two, his four seasons have ended in Super Bowl and in a conference conference game OT loss twice, a Super Bowl loss and a Super Bowl win. I mean, he's done too much to be to be put under Joe Burrow, regardless of his miracle run last season. So, I but I did take an issue with Brad saying that basically that that a majority consensus had Burrow over Mahomes, which I do not believe to be the case, at least based on what I've read. So I wanted to clear that up, that this felt like a bit of a misrepresentation and whatnot. So this was something we clarified via DMs. There's there's definitely a bit of exaggeration and persecution complex with that. Although, however, from the NFL media cycles at large, last year it did feel very much like a Patrick Mahomes sucks, guys. Look how bad he is. For like the entire year, man, he's broken, he's washed, all of this stuff. And it's like, it just drives me crazy, just the double standards. I mean, Burrow, not not as much. So, I mean, he just made a Super Bowl, right? And I personally didn't think his playoff run was as impressive as some people say, but he was good. He got the job done, right? And yeah. like, I think just the, the double standard that people use to approach quarterbacks when you look at how they approach someone like Mahomes and how they approach someone like Allen or Justin Herbert. That's one of the one we were talking about, right? With oh, Herbert. Eric. Herbert, oh, Herbert's, Eric. A, Herbert's amazing. And I don't want to turn this into a Chargers rant. Okay. It will no, not you be. do. You do. I, I <laughs> Stay not. true Herbert, to yourself, Brad. Herbert is amazing. And one of the best young quarterbacks the league has ever seen. Absolutely. But people give him, every excuse right oh it's because he plays for the charters but there's not that same level it's it's, it's, it's a double standard I, I it's hard to explain it into words but if you ever have the misfortune of paying attention to nfl media you will pick up on it right i mean even just the rankings that they drop right where people will take oh well burrow beat mahomes mahomes imploded in this game so maybe burrow should get more credence in the rankings, but there's no rankings boost to Mahomes beating Allen, as there shouldn't be. Allen played incredible in that game, but it just, it, 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 it irks me the way that people approach sports discussion, you know, like just, it, it, it bugs me. Why can't we all just have nice things? Patrick Mahomes is a football wizard. Joe Burrow is a football 
magician. Justin Herbert is a football superhero. Why can't we just have all three things be true at the same time? Why do we got to tear everything down around? It? And that's my problem with Chargers fans. This is what they do. They can't just have something. Here we nice. go. Here They're we go. So insecure about how nobody likes them. Okay, there's a couple people that like them, apparently. 50% <laughs> of them are Eric Jensen. But like the, the Chargers do have a fan base scattered out there amongst the desert wastes of America. But they're so they play in somebody else's stadium. They literally have their fan base is so touchy, you know, and they finally have something really nice. Justin Herbert is a really nice thing, but that's not enough for them, is it? They can't just have something nice. They have to tear everything else around them down. Franchise just drives me crazy. Like, Eric, right now, very much rethinking his life choices. I woke up. I woke up after a long night to listen to listen to two people bash the Chargers when I when I revealed myself to be a closet Chargers fan on my yeah, own it's a podcast. It's shameful thing for him to admit. I, yeah, I appreciate. I, I, I mean, it, you know, this has just been long been a fact. This podcast is four hundred <laughs> episodes long. You know, this is a this is a storied franchise of a podcast. Uh, um, you know, just a, a podcast landscape here. Uh, 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 We've been around for a long time, but uh, clearly Brad doesn't really like the Chargers that much for Chargers fans, and that's totally fine. But, you know, everybody can have their own opinions. But, yes, I mean, this was quite, you know, in an AFC North podcast, this was a weird thing to wake up to just barely several <laughs> minutes ago and then walk into this uh, heated debate uh, that 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 um, turned into more of a more of a rant against why the sports media covers things the way that they do and now we're just all sitting here uh, picking up the pieces i i truly have to show some some type of control and exercise (laughs) uh some hosting powers here to get us into some afc north discussion but it seems like uh bradford has something else he wants to say so you know i'll 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 let him say it but we we've got to get to the afc north here shortly (laughs) I have one more closing distinction that I want to make. You you paint me as a hater or as like a Chargers hater. I'm not a hater. Well, I'm you are a hater. Chargers I hater. Love I'm not painting I you love as anything. I'm not a hater. It's not that I hate the Chargers. I hate the fact Seems that they like exist the in their iteration. They don't, yeah. they don't belong there. They shouldn't be there. They belong in San Diego. And they can be sad and pathetic in San Diego. And I don't have a problem with it. You know? <laughs> That's fine. You can... <laughs> They, they were stolen Disgusting. from somebody. They were they do not belong there. And nobody Wait. likes them. And the issue is because it's Los Angeles, and this is not an anti-Los Angeles sports thing, but like I I I, th- I have great respect for Los Angeles sports. And people talk about like, oh, they get all this smart. No, they're usually smart organizations. Like look at the Dodgers, right? Like and the Lakers, yeah, they kind of fail upwards. But look at the success rates. It, it's it's there. But because NFL media is so centralized in Los Angeles, they want the Chargers to be a thing, and they are brainwashing us into thinking the Chargers are a thing. Every my phone fell. Every right. damn well, year, this, you can you can see you can win. see the passion here. They they I'm I'm irritated because I feel like with the Chargers, I am not being sold on authentic experience. It's not that they're a pathetic franchise. Look at the Bengals, for instance. They're tortured. They've got a very very sad, long, painful history. But you know what? They have fans, and I'm not being sold the Bengals. I'm not being bang. I'm not having Bengals just shoved down my throat. But the Chargers, they they're getting shoved. 
I'm getting, they're getting forced upon me and I don't want any part of it. Okay. Until they start winning, stop shoving the chargers down my throat. And it's been five years, ever since they got to Los Angeles, man. And even before that a little bit, but ever since they got to Los Angeles, I'm tired of just having being force fed a steady diet of chargers and Herbert and more chargers. I don't want it. I don't like it. Stop, please. Eric, wow. Eric, Eric, you know how when, whenever somebody begins a phrase with, with all due respect, you know that they're not going to be respectful in anything they say afterwards. It's kind of like how it's kind of the same when you say I'm not a hater and begin talking. That you show all the characteristics of a hater. <laughs> this is yeah, one of the I mean, greatest. It's, it's not coming from a place thing. of hatred. It's coming. I know. From a place. I know. Uh, hater and hatred is a very diff- is a different is a different concept. You're, you're aware of this. Being a hater and hating a team is very, very different. You're, you know this. I want yeah. good things for the Los Angeles Chargers. I don't think you do. <laughs> I think that's a very bold-faced lie right there. But, no, uh, and I think a good thing for the Los Angeles Chargers would be if they didn't exist. I, right, I think exactly. I, I think <laughs> Tim just being eliminated There's, from the picture would be the best result for all line. parties involved. Well, well so. now we're 20 minutes into this AFC North podcast. I am, and we, I am and loving we, this. And we haven't even touched on the AFC North. Well, we talked about the Bengals a couple times in there. You know, came up. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, as Thanks. as I've said a million that. times, nobody listens to our long podcasts unless you're professionals, and we, as you can tell, are not professionals. So we we need, oh no, you definitely know, not. We need to get to the division previews here, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. let's just do that. Let's get to the AFC North, and let's just start with your team, YB. Let's just start. Uh- with the Cincinnati Bengals. And one of the things we've been doing during these is just asking what is the biggest question surrounding the teams? So uh, let me ask you this. What is the biggest question do you believe right now surrounding your Cincinnati Bengals? Uh, Well, it was originally the left guard position because we all saw that the the offensive line was garbage to bar to borrow a phrase from a very famous ESPN personality and we saw and unlike uh the Bengals front office of times your they they acted very very quickly to try to remedy the situation so they brought in Ted Karras they brought in Alex Kappa they brought in Loyal Collins but an offensive line consists of five spots and Jonah Williams the left tackle is serviceable he's not a he's not a top tier left tackle but he's a he's a very function he's a very serviceable and acceptable left tackle but this leaves a hole at left guard because Kappa will be the right guard if uh, if the positions I'm no, I'm knowing this correctly. Left guard, it consists of the starter from last year, Quinton Spain, is gone and he hasn't come back. And whoever the people that are earmarked there are last year's second round rookie Jackson Carmen, who if you want if you think about it, could not secure a spot as a starter on the Bengals offensive line as a second round rookie. And this does not bode well for his career prospects. And there was also a story in the offseason about him having an incident in college that was rather unsavory and people and perhaps the Bengals knew about this perhaps they did not when they drafted him I my odds are that they probably knew so Carmen is on a bit of a short leash and their other competition is the fourth round rookie Cordell Volson and a fourth round rookie regardless I mean, the case of say someone like Trey Smith aside from the Chiefs like it's not often that a fourth round rookie comes in and it is immediately a success so that, obviously that's a bit of a bit of a weak spot, but the O line has been has gotten an extensive makeover, and the fact that Alex Karras, um, that Alex Kappa is right now on the pup list is not exactly a great sign. But hopefully this bodes well for both Joe Burrow's protection and also an underrated part 
for the running game for Joe Mixon because Mixon did not have a lot of holes to go through, and he still managed to rack up over a thousand yards and score a whole bunch of touchdowns. So originally that was the position that was really the point of concern, along with the third defensive tackle because Ogun Joby is now a Pittsburgh Steeler, and if he down goes plays for Baltimore, he'll have completed the AFC North uh, round table. But nowadays with Jesse Bates, with the Bates situation, with him. Supposedly, he's going to refuse to play on the franchise tag. We'll see if he's actually serious with this because I believe it's a, an unwise task, to, unwise endeavor to give up $13 million in guaranteed money. But if he really is serious about this, then you have to rely on rookie Daxton Hill. And you drafted in the first round, so you believe in his ability. But Bates is a veteran, and he also is basically the center fielder and organizer behind the defense along with Logan Wilson. And Asking a rookie to basically take that role is obviously a bit of a bit of a hard bit of a hard ask, regardless of how talented the rookie may be. So those are the two major spots, the left guard and the safety position with the bait situation in limbo. But on the whole, obviously, the Bengals have a very good group of skill skill position players. It's not often you have a player like Tyler as skilled as Tyler Boyd as the as the definite wide receiver three as opposed to a wide receiver two. And they brought in Hayden Hurst as the tight end who is CJ Uzama was a great player for us last year, but he did not break 500 yards receiving. He was not a very potent weapon. He was a locker room leader and a spiritual presence, but he was, he, but he was not a weapon, but Hayden Hurst is a definitely a receiving weapon. So maybe he can be of help there. So those two spots left guard and free safety are the probably the biggest ones. And also one other thing, the Bengals, like I'll, I'll readily admit this as a Bengals fan, that luck has to play a part in getting to the Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl. And the Bengals were fortunate in that they capital, they were very opportunistic on some mistakes. And with the, uh, with the exception of, of rash of injuries at, de- at defensive tackle and at right tackle with Riley, Riley Reef leaving, they were very healthy regards to Chase, Higgins, Mixon, Boyd, Burrow, everybody, all the skill position players. And that's not a guarantee, obviously. So there's always that worry about, especially because we're a tortured franchise that, okay, so when is, when is it going to be the situation where, where Lucy pulls the football away, so to speak? Yeah. So that's the concern. But it's a good team on paper, definitely. Yeah, you know, what? one thing I'm really impressed by about the Bengals is um, the secondary, which lacks, like, huge names, but... You know, Chidobi Awuzie, I, I, I've just got to give him some credit. I've always right. kind of viewed him as a middling cornerback, but he was really good last year for he them. He was very good. You know, and, um, you know, Eli Apple likes to talk, <laughs> and, and, you know, he, like, you know, he likes to yeah. he, he likes, likes to tweet. He, he likes to tweet, but, you know, and, and, yes, the Super Bowl was not kind to Eli Apple, but overall, Eli Apple is in – He's an okay corner. I mean, he was. Mike, He's been very serviceable. You know, Mike Hilton's pretty good in the nickel, so mm-hmm. so that's that's solid. I excuse me. I I do really like the Bengals secondary. I just think that it's a solid group that can contain teams, and especially the way they were able to shut down the Chiefs in that second half of that football game. It was just a really stellar defensive performance from the secondary. Um, I'm a big fan of what they, of what they are able to offer for the Cincinnati Bengals. Bradford, your thoughts on this Bengals team, and then let's move on to our next one. 
My thoughts on the Cincinnati Bengals, I, I, I do have an admiration for the Bengals, and I've done my best to not let personal biases and, and hurt from previous season's events affect that too much. The Bengals are in an excellent spot. Um, I, I, I think, I don't know, I, I think most of my thoughts on the matter have already just been discussed, but I, I think with the Bengals, I think it's a fan base that deserves some consistent success, and I think they are very much in a position to experience that. Um, I think Burrow will continue to grow as a legend. The luck factor is something that I am I, I am concerned about for them. I, I felt like every break went their way throughout that postseason. And that that is a necessary prerequisite to winning a championship, like you were saying. But Aaron Donald gets you sooner or later, and you gotta have enough luck to win before he comes for you, you know? Like yeah. I think I think that uh I think that the offensive line doesn't blow me away, but it's better than it was before. And not hard to be, it's not hard to be better than it was. It's not hard to be better than it was before. And look what Burrow could do with that line that he had, right? It's only going to get better, you know, like, I don't, I don't, once again, I, I, it just feels like the natural comparison here. Like Mahomes didn't utilize all of what he could do with that new offensive line, I think he will continue to do. But if you look at the plays he almost made in like the Super Bowl that they lost, right? Just think of the potential and you give a line not as good as the way the Chiefs rehauled their line. Right. Obviously, I think they had a bit of a luck factor in that too. Obviously, they drafted well, but yeah, no, Trey Smith, we totally expected him to be this absolute, you know, like, yeah, Creed Humphrey, you know, we think he's good. I don't think they were like, this is the best center in football right, right. here, you know? Like it, it worked out. He's, in, he's in the conversation, definitely. And but the Bengals, they are a better team this next year than the team last year. And the team last year lost in the Super Bowl. And as much as there's, oh, there's a luck factor and all this, they lost in the Super Bowl and they got better. So the natural right. logical progression of that is this is a team that people should take seriously. And I think the AFC North as a whole should be scared of the Bengals. And I know they're saying they're not. I know there's Steelers fans out there like, we're not scared, not the Bengals. They're scared. They're scared. They. I don't think the reality of Mitch Trubisky has set into their little little brains yet. And I think that uh, the Bengals, I cannot believe I'm saying this, the Bengals are a, a force to be reckoned with for very much at least this next season. Yeah, I mean that that is certainly a fair point, Bear Brad. I you know, I think that they are definitely a, a force to be reckoned with coming into the next season. All right, let's move on to the Baltimore Ravens. And I have a question about this team. And that right. question is this. What are we doing at running back for the Baltimore Ravens? J.K. Dobbins conflicting reports out there that he may be ready for week one of training camp, but um, he may also not be ready for week one of a regular season. All kinds of conflicting reports there. Gus Edwards still behind him on the Patrick uh, on the on the um, depth chart, Justice Hill still in the building. But still, given their injury history of that position last year, I'm surprised they didn't go out and add another veteran name to that running back room. 
do you two share the same potential concerns I have about the Baltimore Ravens running backs coming into this season as that always ends up being a huge part of the team's offensive plan? Well, with Baltimore, I mean, when, at, after Dobbins and Edwards and basically everybody else went down in the first week of training camp, they did they did basically bring in veteran names. They brought in uh, Latavius Murray. They brought in Le'Veon Bell. They brought in Devontae <laughs> Freeman. So and and regardless of who they brought in, it was not gonna be it was not gonna be the successful running game that it was with Dobbins and Edwards and Lamar obviously being a huge part of it. But and I and I I while I obviously being a division team i have i i don't hate the ravens like i i respect the ravens because they've been consistently strong and regardless of your personal feelings you have to respect what they've been able to consistently manage uh, their stolen heritage notwithstanding but and having a guy having a guy make kevin harlan go he broke his ankles on a on <laughs> on a highlight play will really will kind of force you to have some respect for them so i don't like with Dobbins and Edwards, like obviously we're not medical experts, and and the reports are that, like obviously it depends on who you listen to. But I believe that they'll be ready to go. Maybe not at a hundred percent, but they'll be ready to go by the start of the season. And I I believe that in addition to last year, in addition to the running backs, Ronnie Stanley basically didn't play the entire season. And when you do, when you're losing, we saw what the lack of a good offensive line does. I saw this obviously up close and personal. When you basically lose the best player on your offensive line, you're not going to have a good time, especially if you're focused on running the ball as much as the Ravens are. And they brought they Ronnie Stanley's coming back. They brought they obviously drafted the the center Linderbaum, who I was also hoping that the Bengals would have a shot at later in the first round. Obviously, that didn't come to fruition. But so they're working. They're going to focus on being who they are, a run for a run heavy team that mixes in obviously the very who. Obviously, they they're gonna mix in Mark Andrews, who obviously broke out last year. And while Hollywood is while Hollywood is gone, off to play with his uh college buddy Kyler Murray, they Bateman he's shown flashes. I don't know if he. I think the people are somewhat, especially the fantasy guys, are very high on Bateman. But I don't think he'll. I don't think at least not this year. I don't think he'll be even what Hollywood was last year. I don't believe that. Although I think he has a talent to be. I think the Baltimore offensive scheme kind of limits what he can do. And the, the funny thing is about the Baltimore Ravens is that last year after Lamar started off so well and even not just running, but also throwing the ball, they just fell apart because they ran out of fumes. And also because they, if you listen to a, many, many a YouTube video that they figured out how to attack the Greg Roman offense with the, the famous zero blitz concept that the Bengals used and the Dolphins used to great effect against Lamar. And when the ans- when su- the supposed answer is right there in the public for even average schmucks like me to see, you have to believe that a professional team knows how to make- get some solutions to fix that. And I don't, I don't have a lot of trust in Greg Roman, but I do have, I do believe I want, I, I'll give John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson the benefit of the doubt and say, they're going to make some wrinkles. They're going to able, they're going to be able to, uh, try to try to uh, try to exploit what the weaknesses that are present in a zero blitz scheme and i think the ravens won't be at they won't run out of the gas as much as they did last year i respect that but what i do what i am kind of concerned about if i were to be a ravens fan is is the defense quite practically honest because 
the Ravens have always been like they've been signified by their defense, like with Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, and many, many other characters that have players that have been there that have been great players. But now you're relying on well, Marcus Williams was a good pickup, I believe. He was a very good pickup as a safety. But Hamilton obviously is a rookie, regardless of how much talent he is. Odafe Owe, he has potential, but will he really get there? Clayus Campbell is older. Patrick Queen is can be a liability in coverage, which is troubling. And Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters are coming off serious injuries. So that's what would concern me more, I think, if I was a Ravens fan. That the defense, which was the hallmark of Ravens for so long, is not quite as solid as I think it might be, as it might seem on paper. That'd be my concern. I think with the Ravens, I mean, just to answer the first question, I am I ru- running back is one of my like last concerns with the Ravens. If any franchise was to just whip out a computer generated running back just to plug in there, it would be them. They'll find something. I think I think with the Ravens, I will always uh, give the Ravens the benefit of the doubt. They are one of, if not the smartest organization in football. And the messed up thing is I think it's a battle between them and the Steelers, right? And they both ended up in the same division. Those to me are two of like just those premier franchises that have an identity and they find a way to just always make smart decisions. And with the Ravens, I think people don't realize what a feat their last season was, even though on the, on the, on the record board, it's a failure. They missed the playoffs. I mean, they were they last let in the, nominally the, in terms of records. They were last. The yeah, they they let in that ridiculous. I mean, one of the most unpleasant football watching experiences of my life was that Ravens Steelers. <laughs> oh my god, that might. I think you could make a case that that is the worst game ever played with that high of stakes. What a dis, what a disgusting insult to the sport that we love. But beyond that, what the Ravens were able to accomplish, essentially with a practice squad the entire year. Like, I have never seen a team have that brutal of injury luck. And there will be positive regression there. This is a team that I yeah. believe will be in the playoffs. I believe as much as Lamar struggled at points last year, Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson. He will continue to be a factor. I, I, can't, I can't doubt the Ravens. The, the worries about defense are something I share with you. I think that there is obviously definitely cause for concern there. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, for me, is not one of those things that I'm scared of. I think... I don't think there's a better organization that he could have gone to. You know, I, I think, I think they're in, they're in a strange spot where they have a lot of like, like older guys and really, really young guys. And I, that's kind of what I think a great defensive combination. Uh, I, I think that, I think that that helps with that, you know, they, they've got such a good balance and I'm willing to bank on like a queen and an, an out of away and a, uh, Hamilton, I guess Hamilton's not taking that next step. He's never, he's never walked before in an NFL sense, but like, I, I just think that the Ravens find a way to succeed. The, the main thing with the Ravens, I think is, is an interesting player. Um, to me, the most interesting aspect of the Ravens, I think, well, there's, there's two, first of all, is Justin Tucker. I think that, I don't know. I, I think the competitive advantage that a amazing kicker like that gives you is obviously a little lesser than, than some uh, positions, but I mean, look at what Evan McPherson added to the Bengals, right? right? And the, the, the Ravens have that. And they, I always give them that little bit of edge because of that, because I know if it's a tight game, they're the ones that have the highest chance of getting it done. I can't bet against the Ravens 
I think the other player that really interests me, I'm going to go on a bold prediction here. I think Mark Andrews will lead all tight ends in most statistical categories because, I mean, Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews is awesome. That's not like a, a hot take. But, yeah, you look at that team. Who else are they throwing to? Like straight, like straight up who else? Like you were talking Bateman, about Rashad Bateman. Duvernay, Duvernay Bateman, Prochet. There's not exactly names that are, that are going to make you no, scared at night when you're a defensive coordinator. It's not like like Hollywood Brown was some huge needle mover, but at least he was a guy. You know, I was amazed that they got as much in return for them as they did. Sure. But I, I don't I don't see it like I don't I don't see uh, a successful Ravens offense that doesn't rely heavily on a Mark Andrews engine. You know, so. I think that he, to me, will be the most important piece of that team of this next season. And I think Lamar is, if he's healthy, he's just going to continue to put up great numbers because that's what good quarterbacks do. The Ravens, not concerned about them at all. They're just a great organization with a very solid roster, a great coach, great culture. They'll figure it out. Yeah, and you've both brought up, questions on defense obviously the tragic loss of Jalen Ferguson kind of brings up questions in the pass rush but in the back end I mean Marlon Humphrey injured last year but as good as they come when he plays healthy Marcus Peters one of the better cornerbacks in the league they add Marcus Williams Chuck Clark yeah. Kyle Hamilton to me this is the best secondary in football period um I've believed that ever since they made the Marcus Williams addition, to be honest with you. It's just a really solid group of players that's going to prevent teams from passing the ball effectively. And I think you are going to see that be a huge advantage. And on offense, I, I think a guy that really deserves some mention here is Rashad Bateman. I think that Bateman has to step up and be a key contributor this year for the Ravens. If they want the passing uh, game to excel in that way. So with that, I think we can move on to one of the more difficult teams to talk about in the division, which is the Browns. Um, putting aside just for a second that they sold their soul to go after, uh, you know, a serial predator. Um, <laughs> they are kind of in a bind because we don't know how long the Deshaun Watson sus- suspension is going to be. It would kind of shock me if it's anything over eight games. Um, but still, that's potentially excuse me, four to six games. You got to play with Jacoby Brissett as your quarterback, and um, do the Browns have the weapons around them to make that? work for them and to win a few of those games. I mean, you bring in Amari Cooper, but Amari Cooper was up and down in Dallas last year. Not a great week to week performer, but still had some big games in him. So maybe he kind of rejuvenates and becomes more of a consistent player. He was a few, few years ago on the Cowboys with, um, 
for Browns. Donovan Peoples-Jones is uh, was quite good with Baker, at least. So you, you think that he can be a reliable target as well. And then David Bell, the player they just drafted out of Purdue, I, I, I enjoyed him quite a bit. But I guess my question to both of you is, can this team stay afloat if Deshaun Watson gets a big suspension? Absolutely well, not. no, if the, if the suspension's anything above eight games, they are dead in the water this season. I can tell you that much. I, I have the utmost respect for Nick Chubb because Nick Chubb has killed the Bengals whenever he plays against them. And and Baker Mayfield has also killed the Bengals whenever he's played against them. But the, but the progressive man is now in Carolina, bless his heart. Uh, apparently, he couldn't film one last commercial where he was moving out of progressive, where he was moving out of first energy. Uh, progressive really dropped the ball there. But homeless with Baker Mayfield, it would have been, yeah, been great. Yeah. Uh, it would have been very funny to have him basically Deshaun Watson moving as a neighbor and all the awkward, awkward hijinks. But I don't think the NFL <laughs> would have ever allowed that to happen. But Deshaun Watson, like Deshaun Watson aside, if if Jake Brisket, uh, sorry, that are a route back to our round the NFL fanship. But if Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback for eight, eight plus games, they are not they're not doing anything this season. And I don't. And personally, I think when the Browns made their uh, made their Faustian bargain, they weren't doing this solely for the purpose of this season, because you don't guarantee a man two hundred thirty million dollars over five years if you're only focused about this season. The cap, the cap hit thing that's made that's been a lot of uh, controversy regarding Deshaun Watson's cap hit this year. That's nowadays standard issue, standard operating procedure for any mega, any big money deal to lower the cap in the first season. I don't, I, while I do believe there's something to do with the suspension, but I don't think that was all about it. But they have, they obviously still have Nick Chubb, who's a hell of a running back. And they, and I'm not sure what the hell happened to Kareem Hunt last year, but you know, he can bounce back. But they lost, they lost JC Treader in the middle. And which, while Treader was getting older, uh, I believe that the loss of a of a veteran center who anchors the line is more significant than I believe people let on to be, which is why I'm also a little bit skip on a bit of a tangent. I'm also a little bit skeptical about the San Francisco 49ers with Alex Mack retiring, another former Cleveland player and a hell of a center and on his own. But getting back to the Browns, Amari Cooper in Dallas last year, he had a very talented wide receiver opposite of him in CD Lamb. So they could not focus heavily as heavily as they could on Amari Cooper as they could somewhere else. Now, the person the person opposite him is Donovan Pe- is the People's Champion, and DPJ has made some great made some big plays over the years, but he is not CD Land. And so, when you fa- when you factor in that Odell Beckham, who I believe was who I believe is more naturally talented than Amari Cooper, could not could not make it work in Cleveland. I don't have as many hosts for Amari Cooper either. I think he might. I think he might be. Uh, he'll be a low-grade wide receiver one, basically in fantasy terms. But I don't have any faith in the other receivers that they have, and I believe Njoku is very inconsistent, especially compared to the money he's making. <laughs> and if Watson was there, maybe he could help them like elevate Cooper, DPJ, uh, Njoku. David Bell, Anthony Schwartz, but Jacoby Brissett, I don't believe can do that. And we think we all saw that in Miami last year. We saw, we saw what happens with Jacoby Brissett in there. He's a, he's a, he's an NFL, he's an NFL backup. He's an NFL backup, which is no shame 
there, there are, he's in the 0.001% of people who can be an NFL backup. But when you're talking about as a, as a quarter, starting quarterback, they can lead teams to a win. No, that's not going to happen. At least, especially not in this division. And with regards to the defense, obviously Miles Garrett's a constant. They brought back Clowney, which is very, which is very much a good thing for them because having a, a at least a solid partner opposite Clown opposite Garrett is very, very important. I think to bring up Garrett. And their in their three their defensive tackles worry me. If I was a Bengals, if I was a Browns fan, because they seem soft up the middle, which wasn't which was less the case last year. They have a they have a they have a stud prospect linebacker in in JOK. I'm not gonna try to pronounce that guy's name, but JOK, I think he'll be a very good linebacker, especially coming, especially now that he's injury free. And Denzel Ward is a hell of a cornerback. Greg Newsom played well. And they have a they have a solid they have a solid team, but that question mark at quarterback basically colors everything about this team, at least for this season. We live in a quarterback's world. We live in a quarterback's league. And we also live in an AFC where the playoff picture is crowded and there are absolutely no room for unnecessary losses. I think realistically in this AFC, I would even say five losses is probably you're done, you know, at least around that mark, right? And what is the ceiling on the Jacoby Brissett Cleveland Browns. If we're, even if we're just ignoring the poor, poor vibes of that Faustine bargain, like you were saying, if we're looking at this objectively, this is a team with mediocre weapons. Uh, there's concerns on the offensive line. Um, Jacoby Brissett is not going to get it done in this league. And even if the Deshaun Watson suspension is somewhere around six games, if you go two and four in that stretch, which I think is probably realistic around there, you know, that's almost it. You have your margin for error is so tiny. And this is even getting into the fact we don't know what uh, 2022 Deshaun Watson looks like. This is a man that has not True. played football in, in, in like a long time. A right? full year plus. It, exactly. And who knows how much he's been keeping up with it. I mean, we don't the, – the fact even giving a guy that much money when he hasn't even played in a year – and like Deshaun Watson is an incredible talent. And that was very, very obvious to anybody that watched the Texans over that time. But like Which is about man, 12 people, but how do we how do we even know? <laughs> yeah, but like how do we even know? Okay. So we get out of the Jacoby Brissett era Browns, uh, almost no margin for error. And then you have Deshaun Watson trying to figure things out as well. I, I gotta imagine there's an adjustment curve there as well. Like to me, I, I think the most entertaining possibility, and this is that Deshaun just regresses a little bit because it's been a while, and now they're just stuck with a guy that's okay. You know, I think, I think that that is a more likely outcome than people realize. You know, like with Deshaun, who knows how much he's been keeping up? And I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, there's not a lot of tension. I'm sure he's very loose right now, but like, so you know, I, I. <laughs> I I, I have high hopes that he would be, well, not hopes, because I don't want him to be, but I, I believe that he, he will continue to be a high-functioning quarterback. But uh, another thing with the Browns that, that worries me is in terms of, once again, Marjorie Ferrer, people talk about AFC West, best division in football. AFC North is pretty terrifying, too. You look at the Bengals, who just lost a Super Bowl and are have an excellent young roster, 
uh, all around ages 25 at their most important elite skill positions. You have the Steelers, which you can never sleep on the Steelers. Never, never sleep on the Steelers. Once again, yes, they're, they're most likely Mitch Trubisky will be their quarterback. You as a Bengals fan of all people should know, never ever sleep on the Steelers. Just trust them to pull out some ridiculous garbage to don't get me started. Get ahead. Right? <laughs> don't get me don't get me. <laughs> I, I can imagine I can imagine, right? Like I think uh I think that in that division they have an even slimmer margin for error. There is almost no chance to me that this is a roster that makes the playoffs next year. Even like though they have some great talent on defense. Uh I to me they're they're not they're obviously interesting from a from a storyline perspective because it's the whole Deshaun Watson thing, but I think this will be a mistake that will stain their franchise as 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 much as a Browns franchise could be stained. Like I think it is truly remarkable how the Browns managed to find a way to make their success even sadder than their failures. Only the Cleveland Browns could find a way to make success disappointing, and. I think that's what we're on the cusp of. So the Browns, I would not consider them a threat in the AFC. I would not consider them relevant in this division. I think they will they will just be a a a, uh, a non factor in the grand scheme of this season. And I wish them nothing but ill things. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to the factory of sadness. Uh, factory of sadness <laughs> season two. Yeah, hey, hey, straight up, absolutely. That's what that's what they are. I mean, it's 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 so funny if you look at the Bengals and Browns as I mean, the Bengals, as their inception, were a shitty spinoff of the worst right. team in football, right? And they both have that kind of underdog, beaten down mentality. Look at what a feel-good, likable story the Bengals are. They've done it organically. Uh, obviously, a lot of things, oh, shit. a lot of things, a lot of things fell fell their way, but they did it in a way to incur goodwill and good vibes. And the Browns, they didn't have that patience. Obviously, Baker Mayfield didn't turn out to what they want to be, but. It's so funny to me to watch franchises so tied at the hip go in completely different directions. The Bengals have such a bright future and such good vibes. Who doesn't like Joe Burrow, man? That's Joe Cool. Everybody loves Joe Burrow. And it's so funny to me that the Browns see, you know, their 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 brothers in suffering take that route. And they're like, yeah, we're going to trade for a serial rapist. Give him the most ridiculous contract ever signed. Trade away our future for it. And we're just going to go from there. And they've somehow managed to kill the part of the NFL fan that feels bad for the Browns. This is a sad, sad team with a sad, sad future. Don't, don't subscribe to it this year. Don't subscribe to it in the future. I'm, I, I'm forking the Browns right now. They're gone. They're done. They're, they, the Browns will not be a relevant factor in the upcoming NFL season. We are really showing our around the NFL roots here, aren't we? Come with a fork now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, that is true. I, you know, I, I I will say I think there's a chance for Browns are better than we expect them to be, um, because there's a chance Deshaun Watson only gets four to six games, and you know, even though he should get more, the NFL has a nice way of messing these kind of things up. And well, imagine if he did something really bad like gamble. Yeah, like uh, you know, he's gonna jump back in, and uh, you know, I, I just kind of, I do want to prepare people. You know, he's gonna be good. Like, he he's gonna come back, and there's gonna be a lot of wow. Remember how good Deshaun Watson is, 
because he is a really, really good quarterback. It's unfortunate that you can't, with a clean conscience, uh, root for him. But he is quite a good quarterback, and uh, anything can happen. So I won't count the Browns out quite as quickly as both you have. Um, I'm going to move on here, finally, our final team, and then we'll get out of here. The Steelers. Oh, the Steelers. Uh, this is just the way I'm handling the Steelers post-bend. Uh, I'm going to say, on paper, I love the roster. This is a thing that is true. Also true, I will not be picking this team to be very successful this year. Only because I sort of don't believe in Kenny Pickett. But... There's also a large part of me that knows that is extremely stupid. And I will not be surprised when we roll into December and they have a winning record. So the Steelers just feels like a great organization did some good things. The biggest question to me, obviously, is what is Kenny Pickett? Because they did a good job of restocking the wide receiving core after Juju left. You know, you've got Deontay Johnson, a very good pass catcher and route runner. You have Chase Claypool. There was that clickbait report out there that he believes he could be a top three NFL wide receiver. I don't think that's that crazy. I think he has all the tools to be a top three NFL wide receiver. I don't think it's crazy for him to believe that he could be that at some point in his career. That could happen this year. I mean, he he does have all the tools, and he is a very good player. And then they add George Pickens, as well as the guy from Memphis, who is now escaping. Uh, Calvin Austin, was it? Yes, yeah, Calvin Austin the third, I believe. I like what the Steelers have done to surround Kenny Pickett with talent. The offensive line is still kind of a question mark, but Kenny Pickett's more mobile than Big Ben. So that's not hard to be, <laughs> you know. I just I want to know where both of you are, are coming down on this because I just feel like the Steelers. It wouldn't shock me if they're in the playoffs and good the entire year, but it also wouldn't shock me if they're just kind of middling and end up at seven and 10. I don't know how to feel about the Steelers. I'll tell you this in the words of Mike Tomlin himself, I do not fear Eric Jensen's playoff predictions or things of that nature. Listen, Mike Tomlin is possibly the best coach in the NFL. I firmly believe that. I think he's at least top, top three. All right. I think that what the Steelers accomplished last year, obviously very impressive uh, given their quarterback situation. I think we're going to see a lot more Mitch Trubisky than, than you think. I don't think Kenny Pickett will get as, as much playing time as as your, your, your breakdown uh, w- would lead us to believe. I think that it would be difficult for some version of uh, Pickett and Trubisky to be worse than Ben Roethlisberger was last year. He was nothing but a liability throughout most of the season. And it just was kind of a testament to just finding a way to win. It's the, the Steelers are, are an inter- interesting because they both simultaneously embrace smart football management and also just 
the eye test in terms of, yeah, it's Steelers football, man. They play Steelers football. What's Steelers football? Well, they win. They're winners. They have a winning culture. Well, oh, why God. is that? Because they win. They're the Steelers. You know, but that's just kind of how it is. And I think that, yes, they they are definitely on paper a step behind the Bengals and the Ravens in this division. I, I just think that I am hesitant to put a cap on what the Steelers could potentially be. I think TJ Watt is going to go down as one of the greatest defenders of all time. I think he's just going to continue to put up ridiculous season after ridiculous season. And that includes this year. I, I kind of like the, the way the defense is shaping up. I think that, uh, I think that the fact that they were able to win as much as they did last year with the quarterback performances that they received, uh, leads me to believe that I, I think there is a higher notch that this, this roster can take. I think that um, Najee Harris, obviously a, a big, big contributor in that. I, I imagine he will be, he will be uh, even a little better this, this next season. I, I love that offense, like from a weapons perspective, in terms of Chase Claypool, he's barely a top three receiver on his own damn team. But like, I, I think that when you have a receiving core of Claypool and Deont- uh, Deontay Johnson, who is one of the most criminally underrated players in the entire league, uh, George Pickens is going to be great because that's what happens when the Steelers draft a off the field issues receiver uh, that should have gone way earlier. Just what happens? You know, they're a wide receiver factory. That is a great offense uh, from a weapons perspective. And I think one of Trubisky or Pickett, I guess, will be able to take advantage of that in some regard. I mean, look at what Trubisky was dealing with in, in Chicago, you know, like outside of Allen Robinson, there's not, there's not, wasn't a whole lot cooking down there. And I'm not trying to get on some narrative that Trubisky's a good quarterback. He's not remotely, but if any organization was to nurture him into a functional football piece, it would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. I have an open mind. I'm kind of looking forward to Steelers football this year. I won't have to watch that. I'm trying to think of a nice way to say that zombie rapist just completely suck the joy out of the sport for 17 games. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think uh, the Steelers are at a weird impasse. I mean, obviously with uh, their general manager who has facilitated them through so much success uh, uh, stepping down, I think it's a crossroads of sorts, but the thing that any NFL fan should learn from history is that the Steelers make the right decisions more than they make the wrong decisions. And I'm going to trust that, that is what they've done this offseason, and they will experience uh, wild card competition. Okay, Eric, before I begin my Steelers diatribe, how, is this a family friendly pod- podcast or are we allowed to use? Yeah, like, th- this kind of is, I, 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 you know, I, I allow a little bit, but this is a family friendly podcast. Okay, okay, this so let's imagine that this is a PG 13 movie and we are allowed to use one, one instance of one instance of a certain word in this yeah, podcast. Absolutely. Which I, will use, which I will now utilize to say, fuck the Steelers. This is my, <laughs> this is my obligation as a Bengals fan to say this. <laughs> And now, now looking at the Steelers roster, like the whole situation with uh, Mitcheny Trubicket aside, uh, <laughs> Najee Harris obviously he got he got he led the league in touches as a rookie, and this is quite well. This is in no small part due to the limitations of the now deceased. Oh no, wait, sorry, now retired Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger. Uh, and this, I, I'll be honest. Last year was the first time when I when I was watching the Steelers that I was that I was saying to myself, 
God, I hope Big Ben stays for one more year. Please let him stay for one more year because he was a liability. He was he brought the dragged the team down with him. And if he stayed for one more year, and the and the Steelers chose and chose to accommodate his wishes, but I don't think they would have done. But if he were to have stayed one more year, I would have I would have thrown a parade in the city of Pittsburgh because 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 that's one team down, one team eliminated from contention. But on uh, the quarterback situation aside, like. They obviously we mentioned you you two have both mentioned the weapons Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Claypool has the physical tools to do it. I'm not sure if he has the what it, it I'm not sure if he has what it takes between the years to kind of bring it all together. But he is a very physically talented and gifted player, which I will not deny. A bit of a knucklehead, but these seems to be par for the course with Steelers wide receivers these days. We there's there's a long and long and storied tradition of uh, Mr. Big Chest style players <laughs> emerging from. Uh, Acrisure Stadium. God, what a God, what a shitty name. But we're not, we're not, we're not acknowledging that it's a stadium there. Oh no, oh no, oh no, I'll acknowledge it. However, the hell many times I want <laughs> because <laughs> I, I because I want the Steelers to hear this many, 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 many times. <laughs> Acrisure Stadium. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, going back to the going back to something that I don't think was touched upon, and. This is kind of ironic to say because I I have general I have a lot of sympathy for the for the Steelers organization because of how much pain they have inflicted upon the Bengals over the course of the past 20, 20 plus years, and but in terms of individual players I do I really like Deontay Johnson I really like Najee Harris I really like Pat Fryermuth who wasn't mentioned here but I think he'll break out and become uh, basically an A tier tight end not the S not the S class tier like an uh, Andrews or a Kelsey or a Kittle. But the tier right below it, so same someone somewhere like Dallas Goddard or Dalton Schultz, somewhere around there. I think Fryermuth has the talent to be that, and they've made some under under report under the radar good pickups to fill in their offensive line, which was a which was a disaster last year. So Mason Cole, who is a serviceable center, James Daniels, who is a very who's very young, and he was in Chicago, which doesn't really bode well for any offensive line player to showcase their talents and. In Pittsburgh, I think he'll be better than he was in, in Chicago. And their tackles kind of worry me because they're both unproven. And kind of, the, I, I mentioned this form on the Bengals segment that basically you have to fill in the offensive line with people that are serviceable at the very least. So there isn't a gaping hole somewhere. And they've done that with Mason Cole and James Daniels. But their tackles, uh, Dan Moore and, and Chukuma Okorafor are not, Jonah Williams and Lael Collins. So there's that element to be taken care of. But on defense, they've obviously they lost Melvin Ingram last season in the middle of the season, who went to Kansas City, as you as you're probably familiar with, Brad. And Devin Bush regressed after his injury. They've now gotten rid of uh, Joe Schobert. And but Cameron Hayward's still there. Cameron Hayward, who I I really can't like, but I respect because he's a hell of a player. TJ Watt, obviously, the, there's no need to further talk about him. He's a hell of a player. A bit of a bit of eh, never mind. I'll I'll get on to that. But they lost Stefan to it to an unforeseen retirement. And and the guy they have filling in, Tyson Alualu, is was one of the people that would uh, a little bit not a little bit of a, a non sequitur that because I went to Berkeley as an undergrad and I was flabbergasted when Alualu was drafted like with 10th overall, but it was by Jacksonville who has a tendency to do that. I had no idea that Tyson Alualu would be drafted before Job and Best. But th- that's a that's a story for another time. But the D line, obviously, with the loss of Stefan to it, is gonna probably take a step back. And the cornerbacks are not convincing. And they got torched 
last year by a wide variety of wide receivers. Not just not just this, not just the Bengals and but the Chargers. I remember, if you remember, did a number on them with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams torching the torching them. So a good a good a passing attack can attack a secondary which aside from Minka Fitzpatrick is suspect. So, but as Brad has mentioned, the Steelers are basically kind of like the walk, kind of like the Walking Dead. Like you can, they're never gonna be really fully dead, and they'll be sure to haunt me because <laughs> I think I I would like to think that I'm I've gotten rid of them with the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger now off that team, but. In, yeah, as you mentioned, in like in like the middle of December or January, there probably there'll be like I don't know, like six and four or something like that. Like, and they're and they're kind of nipping at the heels of the Bengals or the Ravens, and they'll pull out pull a game out of their ass out of their ass against a very strong opponent, kind of win it by the skin of their teeth with I don't know a fire move miracle one handed catch <laughs> or or a, or a scoop and score by Cameron Hayward, whatever. They'll find a way to do that because they've always done managed to do that. And the Steelers, they they have the most absurd plot armor in the NFL. Yeah, they and just... and and the the Omar Ep, the Omar Epps clone on the sideline. He he's 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 a he's a hell of a coach. Like I I I hate the man because he's inflicted so much pain in my life over the past twenty years. But he's a hell of a coach, and so. I would rate them above the Browns, especially with in lieu of the Deshaun Watson situation within Cleveland. I would rate them above the Browns, but the like the reputation I think precedes them more than I think the reality at this point, at least on paper. Of course, when it gets into the season, this probably will not be the case, and they'll be there. And I will and I will be I will once again be exasperated and saying to myself. How the hell do I get rid of these guys? Can I? Can, can they just suck for one season? Jesus Christ! Anyway, yeah. End of the diatribe. Well, thank you, YB. That, that that was quite the diatribe. You know, I I like the Steelers. They're very an interesting team to me. I like Najee Harris a lot. I want to see if he's takes the next step as well. I think he's a very interesting player to keep it t- tabs on on the offense. Um, but I appreciate you pointing out valid points that they are probably going to hang around and be the third best team in the division, which brings us to our final point here, just very briefly. So we can get out of here. Uh, how we all see the division finishing Bradford. I'll let you go first. All right. This is, this, this is actually a really, really tough one. Uh, I think that I feel like it'll come down to, who has the the better uh, record in games between the Bengals and the Ravens. I I think it is a race primarily between those two. And I think if one of them has, you know, the edge over the other in that little mini series, that is who will win the division. My, my, my heart tells me that the, uh, the, the Bengals will win because I think that's cool. My brain tells me that, the uh as 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 uh yb was saying earlier lucy will pull away that football and somehow some way the ravens will win this division and the Bengals will be close behind them i don't i don't see the Bengals missing the playoffs really so my my guess i guess is ravens tight with the Bengals, and then the steelers and then i think the browns will have a significantly bad record um which will benefit the texans uh, of all teams I mean, um, I'll flip. I'll basically 
mostly agree with that, except flip around the Bengals and the Ravens, primarily because I think the Bengals have found something that works against the Ravens over the past over the last season, and it, it's up to the Ravens to figure to say that whether they have a counterpunch to that or not. Playing and, their practice squad is that is that the, no, the no, counterpunch no, I mean, they've discovered? Not, not the second game, but the first game. The first game when they played in Baltimore, like even obviously there was that ridiculous Jamar Chase reception. But even aside from that, they kind of like kind of like a mini Redux version of what happened against Kansas City after a long touchdown pass to Hollywood. The Ravens could not do anything against the against the Bengals defense, and we didn't see we didn't notice at the time. But a lot, I think, a lot of the concepts that were shown in that in that game were utilized by other defenses to also to kind of attack the Lamar Jackson offense. Which I believe that there they will be have they will be able to produce some counters because they'll probably have at least one of J.K. Dobbins or Gus Edwards, at least. So I think they'll they'll make it a bit of a, they'll have a better punch chance against it but i think the bengals have found something and they'll also be looking to see like what they can do to kind of stay, stay ahead of the counter punch so and obviously as a fan i will say that i believe the bengals can make this last at least one more season and before all the before all the worries about extensions and cap and cap hits come in and i mean and i'm gonna enjoy this ride and i'm gonna say that the bengals will take the division again in a close in a close race with the with the Ravens, the Steelers will probably will be they'll have a 500 record somehow. They'll I don't know they'll be eight eight and one and they'll do that so that Tomlin's Tomlin will continue his streak of never going never having a losing season, and the and the Browns will have I don't know six wins because Watson after getting suspended for six games comes in and immediately immediately blows his kneecap. I don't know. Yeah, I will say I think. The Browns are in for a better season than than both of you expect. I I think they'll win about eight games with or without Watson. I think they're they're just talented enough. So I have it finishing Ravens, Bengals, Browns, Steelers. Well, let's wrap up here. YB, thank you so much for joining us all the way from South Korea. What 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 a wonderful time this was. I apologize you didn't get the. You know the full Eric Jensen experience. I'm I'm still a little bit tired. I've I've got to get used to recording it at you know nine or ten a.m. in the morning. But to have you on was was such a treat. And thank you so much for you know staying up so late for us and and no really problem. sacrificing some of your time. I know you probably have a job and a family and and things that that you have to take care of. So I appreciate you staying up and definitely during the season we'll have to pick a week or three and uh and uh make this work again with some early morning stuff but thank you so much for joining us Uh, i appreciate it brad thanks again for uh for joining us now this will come out on wednesday so next week i will be on vacation uh we're gonna record some stuff but I have some pre-taped stuff in the bank next week. You'll hear about the NFC East pre-taped with our great friends, Donnie and Ryan. Uh, They will be joining me next week. And so check that out. I will put that up on Monday before I head off on holiday. Before the football season starts, the last reprieve before we get back truly into the grind of things. Enjoy the first week of training camp we will maybe put out something 
in the middle of the week talking about if we hear anything interesting from training camps, but likely not. So enjoy this episode, and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Peace out. Cheers, guys.